The choices you make and specifically the way you choose to see God matters. How you choose to interpret the circumstances of your life matters because what you choose to believe about Him is who you'll show others that He is. Will you choose to see Him through the eyes of fear and doubt or through the understanding of a God who not only loves us, but is love? Join me today as we learn to see Him rightly, as we learn to choose love. Welcome back to Choose Love. We are going to pick up where we left off last week. We were talking about um, doing the right work. And for the last two weeks, I have been referring to two YouTube videos by Melissa Helser. They're part of the Jonathan and Melissa Helser podcast series. And the first one um, is called Becoming a Powerful Woman, part one, and then part two, uh, doing the right work. And both of those um, in the setting is a setting of four women. Melissa Helser is the leader of Cageless Birds and that community that they have in North Carolina, along with her husband, Jonathan Helser. Um, and she specifically is gearing their conversation towards women. But I want to just clarify that this is also for men. And I just gleaned a lot personally from both of those videos. And so I'm kind of sharing out of the overflow of that. I'm actually quoting them a lot from the notes that I took. So I want to give them credit for um, the revelation and the language that they had. I am a words person and I love fresh language for the things that are in my heart. Um, it, I think that language gives us, it, it expands our our ability to understand and to communicate. So um, oftentimes when I'm praying for someone, and this is what I wanna pray for you today, that God would give you fresh language for the things that he's currently doing in your heart and in your life. And when you have fresh language around it, it, um, it allows you to communicate powerfully to others out of the overflow of what, of what he's teaching you. So I'm stealing their language of the things that God has been doing in their hearts and in this community there um, to invest in you guys. So um, let's just start with prayer. So Father, we just um, sit with you right where each one of us are, whatever's going on in our hearts, in our thinking, our processing, whatever's going on in the world right now, um, we just sit with you in it. And as we talked about last week, we allowed the emotions of what we're feeling right now to pass through us. We don't ignore them. We don't stuff them. We feel them and we sit in them with you. We're not alone. We're not um, created to go through the things that we go through on our own but you are teaching every single one of us how to honor the story that our lives are telling. And God, we also want to honor the story that you're telling in the world right now for our generation. And so we do, we ask you for fresh language for the things that you're doing in us, the things you're doing in our generation. And, um, in the midst of, of storms and trials and tribulations, things going on in our own lives, but things going on in, in our nations, we declare that we are yours 
and that you are above it all and that none of it surprises you. You have a plan and you are um, confident in your plan and you laugh at the plans of, of evil and of, of broken humanity. And you, you rise up because you love us and you step in and you um, work things together for our good. And so we just say yes, and we align our hearts with what you're doing personally and in the world right now. And we thank you for all that you are for us in the midst of all that we are going through. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, um, I love the language that we used last week that we took from Melissa Hauser, and that's um, doing the, the right work. So we talked about how, you know, we can um, do, we're, we're going to exhaust ourselves. We're going to work ourselves on something, right? We're always going to work on something. And, and we know that scripture, I think it's, I forgot to check on that. Philippians 2 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong on the, where that scripture is. Um but we're going to work out our own relationship with God one way or another. You know, even atheists are working out their relationship with God, right? And those of us that, that follow Jesus, we are working out, wrestling through the issues of our hearts, the issues of our lives, um, until we are with him face to face. And so in that process, there is work. There's going to be work. It will be hard. You're going to exhaust yourself on something. So we want to make sure that what we are working on and exhausting ourselves on, the good sense of the word exhaust, is the right work, the right things, that we're, we're going in the path that God is creating for us and that we're not um, just managing behavior, just trying to be good, um, just trying to, you know, manage relationships around us and, and you know, hurt people hurt people. And so when we are hurt and we haven't dealt with the wounds that are in us that happen ongoing and that happen that just stay and fester from maybe years and years ago, when we don't deal with those things, um, we form a belief around lies that come with that pain and that trauma. And then out of that belief, we make choices and we act. And then we reap consequences of the choices that we make. And people around us reap the consequences of our wrong beliefs based on unhealed wounds within us. So, um, you know, this has been one giant pep talk to just say, Sit with the Lord, go after the things that are in your heart and maintain those places in your heart. Um, do the right hard work. So we're going to get a little bit more into that today um, and finish up kind of this topic that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Um, one of the things that, that these women talked about in part two of the videos that I'm referring to is how for every one of us, you know, we kind of, it, it looks different how we, how we act out of those wounds and those unhealed places. And one of them, um, she is just a beautiful woman. And she was explaining how at some point in her life, she was taking a dance class 
and um, learning a particular dance that she didn't know, um, like a, not just a regular dance, but like partner's dance. And so she was dancing with a partner and he didn't know the dance either. And so she began leading, even though she didn't really know because he wasn't really leading. And then they switched partners and the one, I think the instructor who definitely knew the dance um, was taking a turn and dancing with her. And he said, he stopped her and he said, hey, wait, you're back leading. And I've never heard this expression before, but I love it. She talked about how back leading is where in um, a dance between two partners, there's always a lead and there's always a follow. And of course, the, the lead is supposed to be the man in, in dances, traditional dances, and the woman is supposed to be the follow. And so she like overcorrected herself and then he stopped her again and he said, now I'm not saying um, to, to not follow, like you can't be passive. You need to actually um, be a strong follow. And so she began to make this beautiful connection between that and her relationship with the Lord and the tendency that she has when she is um, in one of these uh, thought loops and, and times of anxiety or, or um, an unhealed place in her heart that she hasn't dealt with yet, her tendency is to take the lead, even with the Lord. And, you know, we can all relate to that where you just kind of like put God on the back burner and you're like, I care, God, and I and I care about our relationship and I care about what you think, but right now I need to figure this out. I need answers now. And um, they talked about how for some people that is their go-to, is to overanalyze, to um, try to gain control by understanding a situation. Well, for her, her go-to is to back lead to um, just, you know, fix it and try to take control by leading and making a decision and, and feeling powerful to make the decisions herself. Um, and yet she said the reverse is also true that when she doesn't do that, like maybe she'll wear herself out trying to do that and she'll realize and feel convicted, oh, well, I do need to not try to control and not try to um, you know, lead in the situation, I need to follow the Lord, then she'll go to the other extreme where she just goes passive and, and tends to get maybe kind of numb and not be a strong follow. And I love her response to this. She says, what she realized is that what we need to do is echo God's lead, where we're not passive, we're happy to follow and take his lead, we're happy to obey but not with resentment, not with, oh, I guess I got to do this God's way, you know, but it's more of this is what we're doing. And I'm going to powerfully, if this is what the Lord says we're doing, then I will powerfully put all of my choice, all of my will, all of my heart behind his lead. Um, and I just thought that was just a beautiful picture. So um, I'm going to end in a few minutes talking about um, the thought loops that we get stuck in and how specifically we can get out of those thought loops. So I'll, I'll go to that in just a moment, but I'm going to give you some more of the language that they used in the videos that I was um, really ministered to by. One of the things that Melissa talked about was um, that they have this, um, 
eucalyptus plant tree that grows on their property and how they had to prune it because um, she knows everything in a garden, everything that's growing needs pruning. Well, evidently they had pruned it wrong. And so it began to just grow straight up where they couldn't even reach the branches to cut them and use them for their flower arrangements and stuff. So um, she learned the importance of embracing the pruning that God is doing in your life, that anything that is going to bear fruit has to be pruned and to not dread that process with the Lord. And, and they kind of equated the pruning with that, that process of going into his presence and sitting with him in the emotions that you have and the things that you're sorting through and allowing him to say, this can stay, but this needs to go. Um, and that there's a, there's a right kind of pruning. There is, there is a right kind of work that we need to sit with the Lord in. The wrong kind of work, the wrong kind of pruning, obviously is to shut down your feelings and emotions and to not validate what you're going through. But it's also wrong to, um, to beat yourself up, you know, to say, like, there, there's a place of compassion that, that God has for us. And until we encounter it and his compassion towards us, we're not going to know how to give ourselves the compassion that we need. And then when we don't feel compassion from the Lord, we are not able to give compassion to ourselves. Then we look to others to give us compassion and maybe they don't understand and they don't give it to us either. And so we react out of that place and we either go from one extreme of, you know, just pulling back within ourselves and we shut ourselves down to more relationships and the relationships that we should be in and have vulnerability and healthy vulnerability in those relationships, or we go to the other extreme and we get bigger and louder and more needy and more kind of in our own way, demanding of the compassion. We'll build a case um, to those around us of why we should have their compassion or their attention or their whatever it is. Um, or maybe you just build that case internally and then resentment comes in into different relationships and the people in the relationships, they have no idea that, that you're disappointed because of a lack of vulnerability. Um, and so I love this, learning to do the right work in the right way. We don't have to have toxic shame when we're learning. You know, you're learning. We're all in, in different places of our journey and our process of God maturing us and growing us up. And so we're going to make mistakes. We're going to continue to need to learn. And if you had someone in your life, a child or somebody that you were responsible for, and they were still learning something, but they're trying, you, you would have nothing but compassion for them. And you'd be proud of them for staying in it and for for, for moving forward as they're learning. And that's what the Lord, his heart is for you and me. It's, he is for us. He wants us to, to know that he's not annoyed. He's not disappointed. He's glad that we're just moving forward and we're learning at the pace that we're learning. And when you realize that, it gives you the strength to actually learn at a quicker pace. Um, so, they go on to say, learn how to do the work in a patient, honoring way. 
There are new ways that he has for you to take care of your soul. He has new ways for you to take care of your soul. And they're probably going to be more graceful, more merciful, and more gentle than you would typically be to yourself. So lean into him so that you can learn his gracious, merciful ways of dealing with your heart, his tenderness that we talked about last time. He has a tenderness towards you that when you encounter it and you experience it and you get still and you carve out time to just sit with him and allow his tenderness to touch you, then you're going to have that as an overflow to not only give yourself, but give those that need it around you. And if if the way that you care for your soul does not reflect the character and the nature of God, if the way you care for your soul does not reflect the character and the nature of God, then you're not seeing him rightly. And it at least you're probably not sitting with him enough to see him rightly. Now, I'm not talking about seeing him with your physical eyes. If you did, that's awesome. Some people have open visions and things like that. But I mean like seeing as in perceiving with the eyes of your heart. So um, it's good to do a check, like an inventory on how are you doing with um, the way you treat yourself. And I'm not just talking about like outward things you do for yourself, like self-care or something like that that too, but a deeper place of like the voice that you allow yourself to listen to internally. Do you allow yourself to listen to a conversation about yourself that you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to your best friend about them? Then why would you agree with and listen to a voice within yourself that is berating, belittling, demeaning yourself? right? So we need to pay attention to the voice that we listen to internally and ask the Lord to to remind you, Holy Spirit, remind us when that voice is not lining up with your character and your nature and your true heart for us. I don't care what you're struggling with. God is not beating you up about it. He is saying, all right, let's try again. All right, let's try again. And he will work with you as long as you are willing to move forward and not just get stuck and sit in your pain and your sorrow and your trauma and your addiction and whatever those things are. He is always willing if you're willing. And he's willing even when you're not. He waits until you are. It's the beauty of our beautiful God. All right, um... Another thing is uh, they talk about the work, the right work is actually paying attention to yourself. Now, not being like self-absorbed, but actually being self-aware for the purpose of moving forward and not getting stuck and not suppressing and depressing um, emotions. Um, so that self-awareness it's it's the healthiest when it's done in the light of asking the Lord. What is wrong on the inside? Just a habit of, Lord, what's wrong on the inside of me right now? I'm not 
at peace. I'm not feeling the stability that I know I'm meant to feel. And sometimes it creeps in so slowly that we, we can go days without realizing, wait, sometime over the last few days, something has crept in and I'm like agitated or I am really down. And that self-awareness should lead us to, Lord, what's wrong on the inside? He knows. Remember, search me and know me. See if there is anything in me that's not of you. See if there's any voice in my heart that I'm allowing to speak into my, my soul and my identity and my choices that's not in alignment with your voice. So, um, Sit with him, ask him why you are feeling or acting like you are. He'll tell you. He'll surface those things and he'll sit with you in your feelings as they pass through you. And he will have a solution. Sometimes the solution is simply to feel what you didn't slow down enough to actually feel, right? You can have somebody that offends you and you just kind of motor on through your day, motor on through the next day, motor on through your week. And then before you know it, there's this offense that's buried layers deep that's just festering and you can't even remember it. So the sooner we recognize and, and we allow the Lord to show us where an offense or something came in, he might even want to say, yeah, I understand why that offended you. That wasn't right the way that person spoke to you or the, the thing that you just went through. Or I know that you're hurting because God may even say, I know that you're hurting because I didn't show up in the way that you wanted me to show up. But let's talk about it. Let's work through it and give yourself permission to be sad about it. And let's move on, right? Um, so one of the things that can like slow us down in that process is a wrong understanding of what holiness is. Uh, the girls in the video talk about how holiness isn't being good. Holiness is not behavior. Holiness is a yieldedness and an honesty like David was in the Psalms. I mean, the Lord literally said David was a man after his own heart. David wanted to build the temple for God. It was his idea to 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 create a temple where the presence of God could dwell on earth. It was David's idea to create a city that now is known as Jerusalem in Israel. It literally wouldn't exist if David, God's friend, who would just pour out his emotions freely to God, it wouldn't exist if David hadn't had a friendship with God that was raw and honest and authentic and he would sit in the pain that he had and he would allow God to sit and minister to him in that place of honesty and vulnerability and yieldedness and surrender. It's all throughout the Psalms, his roller coaster ride. But God was with him in the seat through every one of those roller coaster moments. And that's what doing life with God is all about. That's where we stay our healthiest. And that's what these women are referring to as being a powerful person is David was a powerful person because of his honesty, his yieldedness, his vulnerability, his surrender. So holiness is not just acting right and keeping things all together to impress God, right? There's no impressing him. He already sees. He just wants to be invited in to be a part of what he sees. 
Um, they pointed out how we will never outgrow our need for God, and we don't have to. You will never outgrow your need for God, and you don't have to. It is okay to need him until your last breath on earth. Need him desperately, profoundly. It's, it's our sweet spot is when we are in touch with how much we need him. Now we just need choices every day, all day long, moment by moment, that reflect our understanding of how much we need him. So um, let's see what else. I loved that they pointed out, um, they were talking about Eve in the garden. And you know what? We have to do what Eve should have done. The moment the enemy came in and started asking her questions, she should have run to the, the father and, and said, this is what he's saying. And this is how it's making me feel. Help me sort this through. Right? I mean, we got to learn from Eve and from that situation to do what she didn't do. And that's take our doubts and our questions to the father. Sort them through with the Father. Um, in the kingdom, Jesus needed the Father. We talked about that last week. He allowed himself to be needy. He allowed himself to go to the Father over and over again, moment by moment, with his doubts, his questions, his, um, his decisions, his emotions. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here. So what is the good work? The good work is to allow yourself to be pruned. The good work is to get still. It is work, labor to enter into the rest. It is work to get still long enough to have these conversations with the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to answer the questions of your heart. What is going on in here? Where am I? Um, all right, back to the, the issue of our hearts being like a garden and the pruning um, that Melissa said, just one last thought on that, is that, you know, just like, um, you know, a tree or a plant, it has roots and out of the roots come the beliefs or the, the things that bear fruit in our lives. So, right, beliefs lead to action. So imagine roots are the place of our emotions where we get hurt and wounded and offended. And then imagine the plant itself being um, the, the belief systems that come from the roots. And then the fruit is the action, the, the, the behavior, the things that we act out on, the, the choices that we make, the places where we, where we react because of undealt with issues down in the roots, that have caused a belief, that have caused a reaction, a choice. Um, and so what do you do? They talked about, it's not weed whacking. If you go in and you just whack away at weeds, the roots are still left there. And that plant belief and action will come up again and again and again. So the right work is not weed whacking. The right work is going after the roots. Pull things up by the roots. This is a place of maintenance that we want to make sure that we commit ourselves to, like we talked about last week. Our root systems affect the way we see ourselves. Our root systems affect the way we see God. And our root systems affect 
the way we love ourselves and love God. And so when we are not taking the time to go after those root issues in our hearts, um, we are not going to be able to love God and love ourselves. The very first commandment, the very first basic thing that he asks of us to love your neighbor as yourself and love God with your whole heart. You cannot love him when you don't see him rightly. You cannot love yourself when you don't see yourself rightly. Our identity is connected to our, our understanding of who God is. Um, so go after the roots. Uh, okay. So in a moment, I'm going to read over you guys Romans 8. And it's going to take me about 10 minutes to do so because it's... Um, it's something that's going to be super powerful, really an encounter for you and the Lord. But very quickly, I want to first talk about the thought loops. So remember, a thought loop is basically where you just get hyper fixated on one situation or one thing that you're feeling and you get stuck there. Anxiety fuels that thought loop. You could call it anxiety, fear, stress, um, but basically, uh, they talk about how they've got a definition from a man that's a, an author, um, Chip Dodd, The Voice of the Heart. I've actually ordered that book. I haven't read it yet, but it sounds like it'd be really good. But he talks about how fear, when you're afraid of something, it's a core emotion. Fear is a core emotion. And the gift of fear is wisdom. So fear doesn't have to be a problem unless we let it be a problem, right? Um, if fear and anxiety feeds a thought loop and you're just stuck in it and you're just hyper fixating on something, you're exhausting yourself and there's nothing good coming out of it. But if you recognize when fear comes in, then it can lead you to wisdom. An obvious situation would be, I have a fear of heights. Okay, well, then wisdom tells me don't go up on high places where I might fall. But if if that fear is feeding a thought loop and I'm just constantly, oh, I'm scared of, of heights, then it becomes where I can't go anywhere where there's any kind of height, right? So it's not leading towards wisdom. It's leading towards um, problems in my, <laughs> in my life. Then he talks about the definition of anxiety. It's when I try to fix the fear in my own strength. And that's where that thought loop comes in. You're just trying to fix the anxiety and the fear that you feel. So maybe your thought loop is telling you to control and manipulate a situation. Maybe your thought loop is, I'm just going to think until I understand the situation and then I won't have anxiety or fear anymore. But that anxiety, if we'll let it, will lead us to the feet of God, really the foot of the cross that place of yieldedness and vulnerability where we just recognize I am anxious, God. And rather than try to control this or figure it out myself and stay stuck in this thought loop, would you show me the way out? Would you show me um, how to fix what I'm feeling right now? And he will. So there are three um, steps, I think, to what I gleaned from, from the videos that I watched of how to deal with these thought loops that are fueled by fear and anxiety. One, remember the power of your choice. Okay, so we're going to work at something, right? We have 
we're strong people. So we're going to be exhausting ourselves on something. Let's exhaust ourselves. Let's put our power behind our choice. So the moment a thought loop begins, you have a choice in that moment to continue in it or to stop it and deal with it. You have the power of choice. And um, number two, vulnerability. Vulnerability is the way out of a thought loop, is the way out of anxiety. Now, vulnerability, it's vulnerability, first of all, with yourself and with God, where you're willing to just sit with him, as we're saying over and over again, and say, I'm hurting. I am anxious right now. And I'm, I'm making a powerful choice to deal with it. And I'm bringing it to you, God. And I'm recognizing that I don't have to explain myself to you. I can just ask you. I don't have to, you know, if, if you have a good friend and, you know, sometimes, as we've said, God uses people. So maybe the vulnerability step for you would be to go to a person. And if I go to my husband, Mr. Wonderful, about something, I don't have to give him all the disclaimers. I don't have to say, you know, I made this huge mistake today and I just feel really bad about it and blah, blah, blah. No, I can just say, listen, I'm having so much fear or stress over this issue and I just need to be vulnerable about it. I don't need to explain myself or couch it some kind of way. You don't have to do that with God either. Like we can just go straight to the root of the issue and ask him. So it's a vulnerability with a question, vulnerability with a question. Help me find where I am. Help me recognize what I'm even feeling right now. And then show me what, if anything, to do with this. Or do you want to just sit with me until I come to the other side of this? You know, a good cry is always one of the best solutions. God created us to need to let emotion out. And, you know, anger is in there too. There've been plenty of times where I've literally had to just beat my pillow to get the rage and the anger out that I was feeling inside because below that was the pain. But I couldn't get to the pain until I just let that anger and that rage out in a safe way. Safe being the key word. Um, Thought loops, you know, pull us out of the present. When we overthink and we begin to just critique ourselves or critique a situation, but humility stops and says, this is not what God requires. God does not require me to figure this out on my own. So in, in the humility of that moment, I'm going to go to him and be vulnerable and ask him the questions that I need to ask right now. Vulnerability addresses the fear that's fueling the thought loop. And the third thing is, what is the fear? Ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand what is the fear behind that anxiety and thought loop. Be vulnerable, don't hide, know that you're normal. Whatever you're feeling is normal for what you experienced. But God doesn't want to leave you stuck in that normal. He wants to give you a new normal. So the, another question to ask is, what is the distrust that keeps me cycling and stuck in this thought loop? All right. So our third step is, what is the fear behind the anxiety? 
and the thought loop? And what is the distrust behind the anxiety and the thought loop? Um, the scripture that they brought up was lean not on your own understanding, but trust the Lord and he'll make your path straight. So we want to lean on our own understanding oftentimes, and we want to lean into thinking hard about something. That's that thought loop. But um, what is it about God that I'm unable to trust where I'm not willing to lean on him instead of me trying to figure it out, my own understanding? What is what? What am I not seeing correctly about God? What am I believing about God that's keeping me from leaning on him instead of my own understanding of the, the feeling or the situation? Why am I not running to him with it? So um, as we answer those questions in his presence, we come into a place of breakthrough, of freedom, of peace, where there's been chaos, peace, where there's been fear, and we can move forward again. So I want to read over you Romans 8 right now. I'm going to start, um, and I'm going to read it in the words um, as if the Lord is speaking this over you personally. So I would just encourage you to close your eyes as we close with this right now and just encounter the Lord in these words as he speaks over you. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you didn't receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as I rise up within you, your spirit joins mine in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, Abba. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to you as he whispers into your innermost being. As I'll speak for the Lord, as I speak into your innermost being, you are my beloved child. And since you are my true son or daughter, you qualify to share all my treasures, for indeed you are heirs of mine. And since you are joined to Christ, you also inherit all that he is and all that he has. You will experience being co-glorified with me and with Christ, provided that you accept Jesus's sufferings as your own. Be convinced that any suffering you endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that's about to be unveiled within you. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of my glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with you the wonderful freedom coming to my children. To this day, you are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. 
You who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as you passionately long to experience your full status as my son, my daughter, including your physical body being transformed. For this is the hope of your salvation. And hope means that you must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would you need to hope for something that you already have? So, because your hope is set on what is yet to be seen, wait patiently and keep on waiting for its fulfillment. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit will take hold of you in your human frailty to empower you in your weakness. For example, at times you don't know how to pray or you don't know the best things to ask for. But remember, my Holy Spirit rises within you to super intercede on your behalf, pleading to me with emotional sighs too deep for words. I, the searcher of the heart, know fully your longings, and yet I also understand the desires of my spirit because my spirit passionately pleads for you. My Holy One, in perfect harmony with my plan and my destiny for your life. So be convinced that every detail of your life is continually woven together for good. For you are my lover who have been called to fulfill my designed purpose. For I knew all about you before you were born, and I destined you from the beginning to share the likeness of my son, Jesus. This means Jesus is the oldest among a vast family that you are a part of as a brother and a sister, and you will become just like him. Having determined your destiny ahead of time, I have called you to myself and transferred my perfect righteousness to everyone that I have called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness are co-glorified with Jesus. So what does all this mean? If I have determined to stand with you, tell me who then could ever stand against you? For I have proven my love by giving my greatest treasure to you, the gift of my son. And since I freely offered Jesus up as a sacrifice for you, he certainly won't withhold from you anything that he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse you who I have chosen in love to be mine? I myself am the judge who has issued my final verdict over you, and I say you are not guilty. Who then is left to condemn you? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for you, and even more than that, he has conquered death and now risen, exalted, and enthroned by me at my right hand. So how could Jesus possibly condemn you since he is continually praying for your triumph. Who could ever divorce you from my endless love, my anointed one? Absolutely no one, for nothing in the universe has the power to diminish my love towards you. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between you 
and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it's written all day long, you face death threats for my sake. You are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Even in the midst of all these things, you triumph over them all. For I have made you to be more than a conqueror. And I have demonstrated my love and it is glorious victory over everything in your life. So now live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate you from my love. I want you to be convinced that my love will triumph over death, over life's troubles, over fallen angels, over evil dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in your present or your future circumstances that can weaken my love for you. There is no power above you or beneath you, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance you from my passionate love, which is lavished upon you through Jesus, the anointed one. Whoa, I just declare those words to penetrate deep into your spirit. And I just encourage you, I challenge you, sit with the Lord, make it a habit. From this day forward, include him in your, your maintenance, your self-awareness. Go to him with every single emotion, everything that comes up on the inside of you. Run to him with you with it and let him sit with you in those places so that you can move forward and be everything that he created you to be in this short lifetime so that nothing hinders you from the full um, the living from a full heart, living from a place of being fully awake, fully present with him, fully present with yourself and fully present with those that he's called you to, to impact and to love and to serve. Um, I just declare over you that you will be a person who will live and look back on your life without regret because you lived fully with him every single moment. And um, I just bless you in this week, weekend, whenever it is that you're listening to this and encourage you to join me next time on Choose Love. <laughs>